Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I am so, so tired, but I'm here, I'm happy, it's good, yeah, it's all got, good. You got a lot going on, Woo. we're in the middle of the reopening of Esther's, it's week one, I think Esther's has not been open, reopened for five days for dine-in service, so I know you've been there for a lot of the nights, had the day off today, which we'll talk about in a second, but yeah, I mean, it's all hands on deck at the moment here at the Coker household. Let's go ahead and take a second to welcome everybody to The Long Finish. This is episode 38, and we've got a lot of fun stuff in store. This is the week that leads up to July 4th. I don't know what July 4th is going to look like this year. I really have no clue. I know there's been a lot of fireworks, depending on where you live, going off in a lot of areas for the past month or so. So who knows what's going to happen on July 4th or how people are going to congregate. Some news that we'll get into about the nightlife world of Los Angeles. But we want to take a second and talk to you about some great wines for July 4th or some barbecues that you may be getting, even if it's just your family. Even if it's a barbecue for one. It's perfect for a barbecue for one. Yeah, you, you know, maybe you're... Just picking up some blood sows, and you just want to have Love a wine it. to go with it. This yeah. is the this is a this is a wine for you. So, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight we're drinking the Big Table Farm Laughing Pig Rosé from Willamette Valley in Oregon, and it's rosé of Pinot Noir Vintage 2019. It is a dark pink, cloudy, and it is delicious. Putting a real punctuation on our weekend. I know how tired you are. Maybe this one will perk you up over the course of the podcast. Already a little bit. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's happening a little bit. Um, so we're taping this on Sunday night here at our apartment in Santa Monica, California. And there was some news that came out today that Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has decided to go ahead and let uh, bars and nightclubs go back to being closed. Esther's will remain open as we've been delivering food and making food for the community for the, the better part of... Um, all of quarantine and now you know into the summer. So we're going to stay open. And so next week, we're going to devote an episode to what it's been like to reopen Esther's. We'll do a full episode, talk about some wines, of course. But um, I know that there are a lot of people out there who have been asking questions about what the process has been like. So we'll go into a little bit more in depth now that we've had a chance to open Esther's. With the caveat being that we don't know if Esther's or any restaurant will be open in a week. I mean, Yeah, exactly. Well, by the time we do the next episode, we may be closed and say, here's what we did for two weeks. Yeah, we might, we might be back to del- you know delivery and retail again. Who knows? I mean, there's just a lot of things happening with regards to COVID nineteen. So for those of you who are kind of monitoring the restaurant world, I would say just you know hang on to your hats and stay flexible. We don't know what we're going to see. So we'll do that next week. But um, I know you're tired. Do you have anything? You've that you- said that like uh, three times. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make me feel real. It's like when your my dad comes to visit and he's like, "Oh, you look so tired, Katie." I'm like, "What am I supposed to do with that, Dad?" We all know you're not supposed to say that to people. Well, why do people say that? Just to state the obvious, to give you a chance to be like, "Yeah, I didn't sleep well last night." I don't know. It's so funny. Well, we haven't talked about our kids much recently, and I will say, for all intents and purposes, the kids are doing really well, enjoying quarantine. We will say this: our youngest 
child who's now 20 months or 19 months 19 yeah has been dealing with the worst case of eczema that we've seen oh we've, it's been we've, so painful we've done everything we can so if, for those of you out there that might have an eczema solved please dm us at the long finish on instagram or tlf pod on twitter we did talk a little bit briefly several episodes ago about his allergies we've yeah. discovered a all the stuff he's allergic to so trying to cut that out of his diet for anyone out there who's allergic to corn i'm sure you know it's in every single thing that is sold at the grocery store basically it's ridiculous um he's also allergic to everything else he's allergic to everything else so it doesn't help i mean basically the kid's gonna eat chicken and rice yeah he's gonna be a bodybuilder that's what he said today he's gonna be a bodybuilder vegetables but he loves eating it's like it's uh it's so sad for him so we kind of have figured out what these things are we've seen the pediatrician dermatologist we're going back to the dermatologist for the eczema because it's so bad and anyway poor kid he's got to have surgery in a couple weeks he's just that's for hernia it's not related to not related to the eczema eczema. he's just listen he's high frequency you know yes you love he 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 needs a lot he cuddles a lot he screams or he laughs you know he's just intense and Bo, our four-year-old is more chill i mean he's four right now so he's a four-year-old but um but he's more easygoing chill kid chill in the sense that he sleeps from like 7 30 to 5 a.m so we're still not haven't figured out how to move into the more human hours of 6 37 a.m but they're great you know, we were trying to figure out this eczema thing. We uh, we got a tip from my sister, Lindsay, who dealt with some eczema with one of her children. And for those of you who are parents out there, you might already know these things, but they are news to us. Like putting the child in wet pajamas and wet socks and then putting a dry pair of pajamas and dry socks over the top is this like... Is, this is what we're doing right now. It's like now. a known remedy or way to slow eczema. I don't want to say it's a, definitely a solve, but... It's helping. Helping, yeah. yeah. We're, we're putting in drops of bleach in a bath. Like we're we're doing all these things that have been recommended to us. So if you have a, another magical solve, please let us know. So we just got a lot going on. That's all. All all to say, yep. we've got a lot just going opening on. Opening a restaurant, kids dealing with itchy skin, yeah. and like trying to live in a small space. You know, yeah. during COVID. There is some rumors of the preschool to where our four-year-old goes that's going to open back up. We'll keep you posted on when if, and if that happens. But first of all, we hope he stays safe because we want him to be there all the time. Yeah. Just, well, just he's like, just going to move in. Just live there, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll come get you just at the end of, end of August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just FaceTime us. Let us know you're okay. <laughs> you know, you know, we'll teach you how to make a PB&J and you can make those whenever you want. So... Anyway, we're making it happen, but lots to talk about, obviously, with our family, but really excited to talk more about getting another week under our belts, hopefully, about Esther's, and I I was able to go over there last week and check out what's going on, so we'll have a nice breakdown of what it's like to be reopening a restaurant during COVID-19, but let's shift to something a little bit more exciting on the week, which is the potential gathering of some friends. This is a caveat, of course. Or maybe not. Or maybe not, but it's just a time to celebrate. It's a time to... Eat and drink and be merry or... Frankly, July 4th falls on a weekend. So if you're just celebrating a nice weekend... Yeah, just Saturday. Good for you. You know, just have a good Saturday. So you wanted to talk about this wine as it relates to maybe some great barbecue. I'd love to do like a, a episode at some point talking about the different styles of barbecue. I'm a huge barbecue fan. I know you are. So I love talking about the different styles for whether it's from the Carolinas, Kansas City, Memphis. You know, there's all types of barbecue. So, But what do all those have in common is that they have lots of spices, 
tons of flavor. Some are more sweet. Some are more tart. There's a lot of spice to it, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, and a lot of meat. And a lot of meat. It's meat and spices yeah. and... So what can hold up to that? Exactly. Right? Like what what holds up to that? What doesn't cover that? What frames that? And then also what goes with all the other kind of barbecue foods? Maybe you're going to have corn on the cob. Maybe you're going to have some watermelon or fruit salad. Collard greens. Maybe some coleslaw. Cornbread. Beans. Baked beans. So it's like fun picnic outdoor fare things with like that are just meant for lighter wines that are great to drink outdoors and when i think of outdoor wine my first thought isn't like of an amarone you know like a real (laughs) heavy intense tannic wine red wine that's meant to be aged that's just an example another thing would be maybe i probably wouldn't have a vintage champagne on a hot afternoon with coleslaw as much as you want to drink champagne as much as that sounds this is not it yeah as much as i do want to drink that that's not like the ideal pairing so one thing to think about always is the mood you know you're in the afternoon sun you want something that's refreshing and not going to kind of weigh you down two it's more lighthearted. so this is isn't the chance this isn't you don't need to go deep in your cellar and pick out a vintage wine that you got from your trip to Europe three years ago and you don't want something super serious you want something fun then you got to go with all these different kinds of foods so something a little bit lighter but that's going to go with meat and going to go with spices obviously rosé is a fantastic choice it's super refreshing everyone's into it and especially a rosé like we're drinking tonight can really hold up to meats and spices because it is darker in color it has fuller body it has a lot of texture there's a lot going on with it and we'll talk about that wine in a second but a rosé is a great choice especially a dark rosé for whites i love any range of whites and If you're going to be with a bunch of people, you could have a bunch of different whites. But if it's just you and your family, I would pick a kind of a full-bodied white without a lot of oak. So it can stand up to meat. It can stand up to like a mayonnaise coleslaw, but it's not super oaky. So we are doing vinegar-based coleslaws anyway. No, No, I always like those mayo ones, but I'm a mayo kind of girl. I like Rhone varietals. I would like a Grenache Blanc that's not super heavy, maybe Grenache Blanc from California, or there are even some great blends from Oregon, like one that we have on the menu at Esther's right now is the Ovum Big Salt from Oregon that's Riesling and Gewürztraminer and Muscat, and it's really aromatic, but it has nice texture and weight to it. It's a little salty. That's a great choice. And what you're doing is what I'm hearing is you're trying to also make a nice nod to some of the domestic wines, too. It's a fun yeah, tribute to... Yeah, I mean, it feels like that feels like the right thing to do, yeah. you know? I mean, well, the truth is wine is made in all 50 states, believe it or not. Now, I have not had wine from all these states. I'm sure it's not all good wine, but there's great wine in Oregon. There's great wine in Washington, California. Um, there's some good wine from Texas. There's there's pretty Vermont, decent Virginia, wine. Maryland. Yes, New York. New York, of course. There's some wine in Missouri. There's decent wow. wine in Indiana. There's there's wine in Michigan. 
there is wine in Colorado. I am so embarrassed to say that I haven't had that. I'm just so full of beer when I go there. But it's true. Explore like fine wines from states and places that are new or at least just, you know, explore some domestic wine. So we've got heavier whites without oak. We've got rosés, especially dark rosés. For sparkling, I go with something like like a pet nat that we've talked about before on the podcast that's like fizzy but picnicky and good for the sun or something that's not serious like um, a sparkling wine with a little bit of residual sugar to it that goes well and is refreshing in the afternoon. And then for reds, we did a whole episode on chilled reds that would be absolutely perfect for this. And they are the talk of the town. Can't get enough. The Stoltman, so fresh, love you bunches. That Amplify mixtape is flying off the shelves at Esther's right now. And of course, the Las Haras glue glue, but so many chillable reds to drink. And then lighter reds or medium bodied reds without heavy tannin. Gamay, Pinot Noir, a lighter style of Syrah would work if it's not too tannic. Zinfandel is a great choice as well, especially like the Zin Carignan blend by Martha Stuman, her post-flirtation red would be fantastic. So there's tons of options. Keep it domestic. Keep it not tannic. Keep it not too oaky. And have fun with it. Something playful for the afternoon. Well, those are some great tips. Maybe we can make a little list, put that on Instagram for some of the wines that you recommended, not only for the, for the listeners, but for me too. It sounds like some wines I need to try. Speaking of trying, can we now try the wine that we're having tonight? Can you remind the listeners Let's what we're, do a tasting. What we're having? Yes. So we are drinking the Big Table Farm Rosé of Pinot Noir. It's called Laughing Pig Rosé with a cute drawing of a pig on the front from Willamette Valley, Oregon, 2019. All right, let's do a tasting of this. First of all, look at the color. Oh my gosh, it's sort of like a deep coral. It's pink and orange at the same time, and it is cloudy. It's not crystal clear. I can see through it. It's obviously translucent, but it's not filtered. This is you doing everything you can to fulfill your 2020 prediction of darker rosés being a thing. It's happening. I mean, I would do it on every episode, but you always say, variety. no, no, we have to change variety? it up. Yeah. Yes. All right, let's swirl the glass. Legs are coming down pretty thick and pretty slow. There's some alcohol to this. Let's check it out. 13.5. That is some alcohol for a rosé. Food wine. All right, put your nose in there. It's got a tart cherry, super ripe strawberry, blood orange. It's both tart and ripe at the same time. Beyond the fruit, get some serious spice to this. Maybe like cumin or coriander, something kind of like a savory spice, not like baking spice. There's a like wet earth to this as well. Or something very, there's like a little funk underneath the fruit and underneath those spices. Mushroom, damp earth. You mentioned what the varietal was? Pinot Noir. Thank you. There's also a kind of tea quality to it, like hibiscus tea or maybe chamomile tea. It's really complex on the nose. What's cool about the wine, I haven't even tasted it yet, is you see the, we've had a couple rosés in the past two months, I would say, but we've had the rosé from Provence, the Commanderie Parasol. Yep. We had a pet gnat mm-hmm. in episode 34. From Oregon also. From Oregon. Mm-hmm. 
and now this wine, and it just, it just shows you the range. And I'm not saying this because it's, the varietals are different, but just like in the style of making rosé, it's so different. I think there's a lot of people out there who think, oh, rosé, I'm going to get like maybe the closer to the Provence style, but there's just so much range. So much range. Yeah. I mean, this- You get this with th- this, this wine right here. Absolutely. This next to the Provence style, they couldn't be more different. Yeah. It's hilarious they're in the same category. Although that makes sense. The reds are in the same category too, but there's crazy variety. This is a savory food wine, a darker rosé. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at is that most people think it's like rosés are just like these patio pounders, but there are they're able to sort of show their malleability and their range. And we're seeing that tonight with this wine. Like Absolutely. Say, it's better with food probably. Even better with food. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It almost that now I'm thinking of the red berry zinger tea from Celestial Seasonings. Everyone's got that reference. With lemon and coriander and tart cherry and this is wild. Okay, can we please taste this We're wine? We're waiting. I get a lot of underripe strawberry, like that pink and white part of the strawberry. It's not too sugary, but it still has the fruit. A little bit of that tart cherry and there is that red berry tea quality to it even on the palate and part of it is because there's a little bit of tannin do you get that there's a little tannin on your tongue and that is not only are the kind of the complexity of the flavors reminiscent of tea but that tannin kind of makes you think of tea as well it's a dry wine it's full-bodied and I would say medium acidity I don't get any of that earthiness on the palate. It's mostly just that tart fruit. But man, I got to send this to my mom because that tea thing is for real. Do you like it? Yeah, I like this wine a lot. And I like it. I won't say this every time, but I think I like this wine more after a deductive tasting like this. Because I feel like, again, my brain says rosé. It's going to be somewhat simple. For some reason, it's just my own connotation with what rosé is. And it's nice to go through the deductive tasting and say, oh, wow, there's we have a wine here that is way more complex than what I anticipated the rosé to be. I had an air quote in there that you can't see. There's also that, that orange bitters quality to this. You talked about Negroni last week. So I don't know if that Negroni is the right thing for this, but it does have that orange bitters. I wouldn't say it's quite as bitter as the Negroni, it's, but, you know. yeah. But I hear Maybe, what you're saying. But it does taste like those orange bitters. Yeah. It's really complex. Like every sip is kind of a little bit different. So let me tell you a little bit about this because I think it's kind of special. I mean, so how it's made, it is Pinot Noir and the fruit is brought in. Half the fruit is direct press. So they just press the grapes right away and whatever contact with the skin they're having is just momentary while it's pressing. The other half is kind of sitting with the skins for a limited amount of time. So that's probably where the tannin is coming from. So there is that real juice and skin in contact. I feel that tannin. And then it's fermented and aged in neutral barrel. So you get, that's where those spices are coming from and the rest of the complexity and why it's not quite as racy as some of those that are just aged in stainless steel. It's a serious rosé. They make this wine every year. So this is from Claire Carver and Brian Marcy of Big Table Farm. And they are a fantastic couple. Brian 
started his he went to uh davis but then worked in napa for many years i know he worked at turley and he worked at a couple other big name wineries and they're a couple they moved to oregon in 2006 to start their own winery he's a winemaker she's an artist and does all the marketing for the winery and she does all the labels the labels every year are a little bit different for all of their wines they're actual animals from their farm so they often have specific names but I I don't know if this one is different every year or if it's the same every year I remember it looking like this last year they're in Willamette Valley they have 70 acres and they run a huge farm they have pigs and goats and horses and bees and cows and it's super diverse they have a wonderful Instagram with with pictures of the farm and tours and they have this little sock puppet that they've introduced in the last six weeks called darn the cow that gives little lessons on hay or little things they're doing around the farm that's really fun they're all about the environment they're all about cultivating and renewing the soil and sequestering carbon and their life just looks so idyllic I mean it looks amazing she's out there like painting and doing her art and keeping the bees and working with the horses and he's you know working with the vines and then they have this amazing like farmhouse that they live in and then a winery and they host like big dinners there too or people can host events. It looks incredible. I cannot wait to visit. And I actually got this rosé. You have to special order this in Southern California. But they sent me some samples during quarantine because I think they were reaching out, especially to people in restaurants and just like, you know, wanting to touch base and give people wine and reach out. And they sent us a bottle of this. So this is actually the second time we're having this wine. And I just loved it. And so as soon as I could get it specially shipped down here, I did. I'm so so happy with that. I also wanted to say that there was an article in the Wall Street Journal in early June that talked about five American rosés to try and this was one of them. And it's fun because it talks about it being a savory rosé, darker in color, great with food, you know, something different, which is exactly what we were talking about. Um, I want to say this quickly. I mean, we've been shouting a podcast recently. I'm going to shout another one. Everyone in L.A. knows Evan Kleiman, who does good food on KCRW. It's kind of an iconic podcast uh, that runs on KCRW. You can also get it wherever you find your podcasts. But in the last last episode, which was, I believe, I don't know, the June 28th episode, they have Dr. Howard Conyers on, who is a rocket scientist at NASA, but also one of the foremost experts of barbecue. Gosh, yeah. how cool is that? Yeah, I guess he learned how to cook whole hog barbecue in the Carolinas from his dad. And he talks about how he feels like barbecue is basically a culinary experience created from black Americans. And he does a great job articulating about how barbecues differentiated throughout the regions. And it's just a re- it was a really interesting interview. I love how listening to it. awesome. Yeah, so if you're getting the barbecue over the weekend for, or July 4th, here's a shout out to Evan Kleiman's episode of Good Food, which is called Whole Hog Barbecue Grilling and Summer Vegetables with Dr. Howard Conyers. So check that out. It's sort of appropriate that the label of this wine does have a pig on it. It is. It's laughing pig. It's very barbecue friendly. So two quick questions I always ask, which is, of course, perfect for what we're getting into now. I think you already know the answer to this. What uh, should we pair with this wine? This would just sing with barbecue. 
because it has those tart fruit notes, some of that blood orange, all the tea and the spices, it's just going to, I think, explode with any kind of spicy barbecue. But it will still taste great with the salads and the corn on the cob and the baked beans and all of that. This is a perfect Fourth of July wine. And now if you're not living in LA or can't come to Santa Monica and go to Esther's to get this wine, how do you help navigate the listener to find a wine similar to this, if not this, at their local wine store? Well, as you know, I'm a huge proponent of the darker rosés. If you're looking just for darker rosé from anywhere, the Tavel region of France is a good place to go to. Or you can look for, just walk down the aisle and take a look at how they look and see what's the darkest color of rosé that you can find. The other option is to talk to somebody, which I always recommend, and ask for a food-friendly rosé. Tell them you don't want something that's just a patio sipper, that you want something complex and to drink with food. But you can also order this from the Big Table Farm website. They have the Laughing Pig Rosé there. Uh, They have a Magnum even. So hurry on over there and order some. I think that's a great nugget. You've been talking about the past few weeks about the opportunity for the consumer to go direct to the winemaker and get those wines. You can do that here. I would also say, of course, you mentioned the Tavel region in France, but for the purposes of July 4th here in the United States, maybe go ahead and look domestic, have some fun with that and see, you know, if you find anything great at your local wine store, hit us up on the long finish on Instagram or TLF pod on Twitter and let us know how we can find the great rosés that you're drinking at home. Okay, now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I will go first, and for me, it's simple. It's the number one band in the world. It's Krungbin. Have I not mentioned this band on this show yet? Oh, come on. Of course you have. The band Krungbin. My current favorite band in the world has been my favorite band for the past two and change years since I saw them at a small venue in Highland Park, California of like 500 people. They've grown to be a huge band. And I recommend this band for people of all ages. They are from Houston, Texas. The band is pronounced Krungbin, which is Thai for airplane. And that's spelled K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. They came out with a new album over the weekend called Mordecai. They've been spending most of the last two years since I saw them on the road traveling and building their audience. And they are just fantastic. They don't have a lot of lyrics all vocals this is probably the most vocally driven album that they've ever produced but i couldn't recommend this anymore especially for barbecues and july 4th weekend this is a great album artist to put on spotify as you eat your barbecue and drink your darkly colored rosé listen to krungbin sit back and relax people of all ages will enjoy this band I can't recommend them highly enough. I went today to a local record store and picked up the new album myself. I can't wait to be playing it. And so I'm recommending with the fullest enthusiasm. So inspiring to me. One of the greatest shows I've ever seen. I saw them back-to-back nights, as a matter of fact. I loved them so much, I went back the next night and scalped a ticket right after I watched Michigan go to the win their Elite Eight game in Staples Center to go to the Final Four. Drove there by myself. Watched them by myself. Loved it. So that's it. I've been waiting for this album all year. I can't uh, wait to to dig into it. Krungbin, K-H-U-R-A-N-G-B-I-N from Houston, Texas. Krungbin, 
Check them out. I loved hearing you pre-order the album earlier this week from the record store and making sure it was ready for you to pick up when it dropped. And I wanted the pink vinyl. There is a pink vinyl special album, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want the regular black. I wanted the pink, so I got it. I love it. All right, so that's me. Catherine, what do you have? So mine is some pretty intense stuff this week. Oh, no. Ooh, get ready. My inspiration this week comes from Charles Eisenstein. He's a public speaker and an author, a person whose work I was introduced to by my Aunt Amy. Thank you, Amy, for introducing me always to such meaningful and inspirational stories and books. Earlier this year, I read his book, A More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible, which is an incredible book that will change your life. But tonight, I am recommending and inspired by a piece that he wrote for Uh, essay basically that he wrote on his own website and he has fantastic YouTube videos he has books that he's written as I mentioned he's kind of a philosopher he talks about economics spirituality the environment myth stories consumerism everything literally everything and this essay that he wrote is called the coronation and it was written in March, but it's kind of about coronavirus and where we are in the world and what this moment could be, what it could be, what we could take it as as a society, where things might go. And it's a long read, but it's incredibly deep and inspirational and thought provoking. And man, I just can't say enough. I've read it a couple of times over the past couple months, and I'll probably keep reading it. It's called The Coronation, and it's on Charles Eisenstein's website. You said it's a long read? It's a long read. So what I'm hearing is maybe you grab yourself a darkly colored rosé. Yeah, get the laughing pig rosé and sit down. Just, you know, slowly slip sip that first glass that's right otherwise you'll fall asleep because (laughs) i'm telling you it's deep deep stuff you know like it's not like wine drinking read it's like ready to go there it's more of the you know get up before your kids at 5 a.m and read it kind of thing all right that's it episode 38's in the books thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the long finish a lot of things that we talk about happen to be in the zeitgeist i know Catherine mentioned as soon as we got off the air last week there was an article about Piquette. So if you go into last week's episode, episode 37, there's an article in which magazine is it, Catherine? Yes, there was an article in Wine and Spirits, the June issue by Sydney Love called Waste Not, Upcycling Grape Pomace. And it's a fantastic article about Piquette. So you probably saw that on the Instagram, but if you're not on Instagram, you can go to Wine and Spirits and read it. Sydney Love or you can go to Sydney's Instagram ham- handle, which is Sal Beloved, and check it out. It's a fantastic article about how this style is making a comeback. So there's a lot of people in the wine world talking about Piquette. Listen to the podcast again. It's episode 37. You can then go to Sydney Love's article uh, talking about Piquette. And grab a bottle and judge for yourself on what you think about Piquette. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wildcoker on Instagram and on Facebook. And The Long Finish is at The Long Finish 
on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You find The Long Finish on Twitter at TLF Pod. You can find me at Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for continuing to listen to the show. If you have an opportunity to rate, review, and subscribe to our show at iTunes or wherever you find your podcast, it would mean the world to us. We love hearing from you and hearing what you all think about the show. So thank you to those who are continuing to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Hopefully all new episodes throughout July, including next week, which is going to be discussion about what it's like reopening a restaurant during coronavirus here in California. So stay tuned for that. Basically a party. It's a big time party with your masks on. (laughs) Um, Anyway, have a great week. Stay safe. Practice social distancing. Yeah, that was a joke. I know. Oh. Be healthy and have a drink. Ciao.